Thank you, Jeff. If you couldn't see that, Jeff was playing remotely from his seat uh, over here. Thanks for being with us and leading us in worship. Um, how are y'all? I don't know about the. I, you can fall asleep, and I'm not going to know it, I think. Uh, it's all right. You did get an extra hour of sleep. Uh, shall we say a word of prayer? And we'll open to Luke 17. God, thank you for another Sunday, for another opportunity to gather together and worship. We thank you for your love. And God, we think about the many things for us uh, in the world. Uh, God, I, we want to lift up in prayer um, folks in Indonesia and the plane that crashed 189 souls. God, be with their families, their loved ones bring your comfort. God, we continue to pray for Tree of Life Synagogue who lost 11 people to, uh, to hate. Uh, God, restore, redeem, bring your healing. God, for those uh, fleeing homes and in hope of a better life, give comfort and guidance. God, uh, for the many here who came forward last Sunday for prayer, for healing, God, we, we continue to pray as Dave encouraged us to be persistent. We pray for healing, restoration, wholeness, well-being. God, for our families, for ones we love who are hurting. God, may they know that you know their heartache. And God, uh, we pray for your love to fill us in such a way that it explodes out of us to the world in ways that are hopeful and healing. And let's, uh, let's pray this together for our schools. We prayed this uh, uh, when schools started a few weeks ago, and I thought it'd be good to revisit it and pray it together again. God, may your kingdom come in our local schools as it is in heaven. Keep our schools safe. But more than safe, let love fill their classrooms. Let joy dance in their hallways. Let kindness reign on their playgrounds. May learning and flourishing take root in and through these schools, from preschools to colleges, traditional, home, and alternative, for the sake of their students and their neighborhood and your world. Amen. Amen. Uh, children, if you would like to, there are tables in the back, and you may go back to those. Uh, and uh, Brian Kaplan, our children's director, will be back there. And so this is the first Sunday of the month, which we call All In. So our uh, children and students are with us in here today, and we're delighted to have you with us. Our text this morning is in Luke 17. We're going to look at this story of... Jesus and 10 lepers. And it starts in verse 11, and it says, on his way to Jerusalem. Now, uh, Jesus is on a journey. He's on his way to Jerusalem. This is chapter 17 of Luke, all the way back in Luke 9. The text said this, 
As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So Jesus is on a mission. He is ready to go to Jerusalem. He knows he has been called. He has been sent by God to go to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to die there. He knows he's going to give his life for the sake of the world and rise again and return to heaven. And so he is on a mission. He is headed to Jerusalem. And this is what he has set about to do. And so all the way into chapter 17, he's still on his way to Jerusalem. And Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now this is considered no man's land in Jesus's day. Uh, Galilee is a uh, Jewish people live there. Samaria are people Jews hate. They don't get along. Uh, The Samaritans are outcasts. Uh, And so they are traveling. uh, Jesus is traveling with his disciples uh, along this road. And uh, he comes to a spot as he travels. And it says, as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So these men had leprosy. Uh, In Jesus' day, leprosy was just a catch-all for any type of skin condition. And it says they stood at a distance. Now, why why are these men at a distance uh, alone and isolated? There were ancient laws in the Torah that directly talked about Leprosy, And so here in the book of Numbers, we see it says, Command the Israelites to send away from the camp anyone who has a defiling skin disease. And then next slide from Leviticus. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkept. Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. So it's hard to describe how isolated, how alone these folks felt who had leprosy. They were no longer living in community. They were not with their families. They were not with their loved ones. They were completely separated outside the community. So you can imagine as Jesus passes by and these men see Jesus and they've heard about Jesus, They cry out, have mercy on us. Now, this is the third week we've looked at some different stories where a healing takes place. Two weeks ago, we looked at the story of the royal official whose son was sick, and he came to Jesus and begged Jesus to heal his son. So a very wealthy man who worked for the empire, the Roman Empire. He had everything at his disposal. But the one thing Rome could not give him is what he most deeply longed for. And so uh, last week we looked at this man who was born blind, uh, and he begs Jesus to heal him. And now we see ten lepers begging Jesus. Uh, what, what we notice about all three of these stories, it, it doesn't matter how wealthy, successful, rich you are, or how poor, vulnerable, and outside you are. We're all in desperate need of Jesus. And they all come to Jesus begging for mercy and for healing. And that's what these ten lepers do. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. 
So Jesus stops. Now, here's, uh, here's a thought about this situation uh, that I took note of as I was studying this past week. Jesus is on a mission. He's on the way to Jerusalem. He has something to do. And he gets interrupted. Uh, you ever had an agenda or a plan that gets interrupted? How do you feel? A little annoyed? A little frustrated? Uh, next slide. Opportunities to touch and transform the lives of others come to us often not through planning, but on the way to other obligations. The pace of modern life and the level of need around us, our own, our family, our community, and beyond, can induce a tunnel vision in us that blocks out anything not already on our agendas. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I have a plan for the day and it gets interrupted, uh, it, it can be a bit frustrating to me. I, I have uh, these rhythms in my life, and I, uh, there are times during the week that I just completely block out to study uh, and to prepare for teaching on Sunday. And uh, I often will work from libraries. Uh, sometimes I work from home, sometimes uh, from a coffee shop or somewhere like that. But wherever I go, I take something with me. Uh, when I think about the most expensive things I own, of, of course there's house, car, uh, appliances in the house, <clears throat> maybe my phone, but then the most expensive item I own are my noise reduction headphones. <laughs> Wherever I go, they go with me. I can't hear you. Uh, Wherever I go, I take these with $300. I spent $300 on these just over four years ago. You can see they're like they're coming apart. I wear them all the time. Did I tell you I don't like to be interrupted? <laughs> I, <laughs> my son said yes. <laughs> he knows. Uh, th this is my, I'm in a library or I'm in an airport or airplane. This is my don't talk to me. And I just block everything else out, have some type of ambient music playing, and I hunker down, and I study, and I work, and I don't want to be interrupted. Uh, and when I do get interrupted, I have a choice to make. Be annoyed and frustrated, or accept it and be okay with it and be grateful. Uh, next slide. What happens when you get interrupted? What happens when you have a plan in place, a timeline, an agenda, and that agenda gets interrupted? Uh, just hold that question for a moment. Uh, consider it. And I, I wonder what it looks like for each of us. I, I know I'm, I'm asking myself this question. What does it look like for me to have an attitude of gratitude when I get interrupted? When my agenda goes astray, uh, whether it's just me alone with my headphones getting interrupted or whether it's 
I have a plan for the day and I'm going about it and that plan gets disrupted. What, what's the attitude? What's the response for me personally? How am I going to handle that interruption? Jesus gets interrupted. He, he's on the most important mission our world has ever seen. And he's okay with being interrupted because it's part of the mission. He knows it's part of the mission. And I know deep in my bones that when I'm interrupted, it's simply part of the mission. It's part of the calling to be present to whoever the interruption is coming from. Now, of course, there's a time and a place to shut off the phone, don't be distracted, be present, time and place for that. But when we have our idea of what needs to happen in the day, and that gets challenged or that gets upended, uh, it's part of life, it's part of the mission, it's part of the call uh, to be present to those interruptions and embrace it with joy, uh, not frustration. So Jesus gets interrupted and he tells them, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. So there's this interesting uh, faith bit for these lepers that they, they leave. They're not supposed to. They're, they have leprosy. They're supposed to be outside the city. And Jesus tells them to go and show themselves to the priest because this is, uh, if you want a really compelling read, read Leviticus chapter 14. It just gives all these details of what you need to do if you're cleansed from leprosy. Go to the priest and all these sacrifices that need to be performed in order to be declared clean. And uh, Jesus tells them to go. And on the way, they discover that they are cleansed from leprosy. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. He was an outsider, twice removed. Once because he had leprosy, secondly because he's a Samaritan. Jesus directs them to go to the priest. This one out of ten recognizes he was cleansed and allowed that process of being declared clean to be interrupted in order to return and give thanks to Jesus and to praise God. Uh, This one Samaritan showed gratitude to Jesus for what Jesus had done. Here's a thought about this Samaritan, this this one leper who no longer had leprosy that comes back and shows gratitude. I wonder, of course we don't know, the story doesn't tell us, but I wonder, I, I think, I'd be willing to bet that this man was a person who was grateful in his life before he was healed. It was just a part of his DNA. He lived a life of gratitude. And so when he realized he was healed, it was just natural to continue to live in to that gratitude and return to Jesus and give thanks. Uh, I wonder what it looks like for us to practice 
gratitude, to just make it a part of our DNA, because I believe it's planted there from the beginning, the, the, the seed of faith, the seed of gratitude, the seed of God's divine image is planted within us from the beginning, and God is just inviting us to cultivate it, to allow it to grow, to allow that gratitude for life to grow within us. Uh, research has shown us now that negative experience, if we have a negative experience, it gets implanted on, in our brains immediately. And so in order to release that negative experience, we need, we need to hold it loosely, forgive it, whatever, and, and let it go. But that positive experiences do not get implanted in the brain immediately. Positive experiences require reflection. They're saying of at least 15 seconds. That if we don't reflect on that goodness, that gift, uh, for 15 seconds, it, it's gone. So that we, we run around uh, snapping pictures of great things and then uh, need to look back on them and reflect on them. Uh, it, if we take time to practice and reflect on the good gifts of God, those get implanted, imprinted on the brain and it starts to become more and more of who we are, people who are grateful. This leper comes back and gives praise to God. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Um, let's go to the next slide. This word rise comes from the same word that means resurrection. And so Jesus is saying here, something has happened besides just the leprosy is gone. That this man has a whole new life, a resurrection life. Something amazing has happened in this man's life. He has risen from the dead, in essence, and become a new man. And that Next slide, the word well, you have been made well, sozo, to save or rescue, to be brought to safety or made whole. The 10 were cleansed from leprosy. It seems that for one, something more transformational happened. Jesus is connecting faith and gratitude and wellness. That when we live a life of faith and we are grateful, it does something to our whole being. When we practice gratitude, we are more whole people. We are becoming more who we were made to be. We're becoming more fully human because gratitude is just a natural outflow of who we are. Uh, consider this next slide. If the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. Uh, Meister Eckhart believed that gratitude was central to faith, that if you just practice saying thank you to God, that breath you just took, thank you, the, the ability to walk in here, thank you, the ability to work, the ability to read, to write, the ability to interact with others and have uh, community and family and life, thank you, thank you. Next slide. Paul, in his 
letter to the Thessalonians, he said, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This idea, Paul said, no matter what's going on, no matter if your agenda is interrupted, no matter uh, what you're going through, there is a life that is possible where you can rejoice, where you can live a life of prayer and give thanks. And it will change you. It will transform you. When we live lives where we are grateful and rejoicing and living the life of prayer God invites us into, it makes us more whole. It makes us more well. It rescues us more. It, it, it allows us to experience more of God's healing touch in our lives. Uh, next slide. John Burkhart said, can humans survive as humans without worshiping? To withhold acknowledgement, to avoid celebration, to stifle gratitude may prove as unnatural as holding one's breath. Uh, He's making the argument that it's so much a part of us that we are to praise God, that we are to be grateful, that it's as natural as breathing. Every breath. We've talked about before how uh, the name uh, God gave his people. What is your name, Moses asked God. Uh, I am who I am. The the Hebrew there is just four consonants, Y-H-W-H. And so there's been arguments over how do you pronounce this? Is it Yahweh? Is it Yahweh? Is it uh, Jehovah? Uh, And some ancient rabbis just simply argue it's the sound of breath. that every time we breathe, we're declaring the name of God and giving praise, whether we know it or not. That every atheist, every agnostic, every believer, every skeptic, every doubter, every diehard Christian or whatever, that every breath you take, you're declaring God's name and giving praise. What if gratitude and love flowed through us as naturally as our breath? Uh, C.S. Lewis said this, praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. That when we live lives of praise and gratitude, it just, it's inner health to our soul. It's just a part of the way we're wired, part of the way we're created, part of the way God set up the universe. So, as we uh, actually, what's the next slide? Make sure I have that. Yeah. Okay. So I want to go back to verse 16, where he gives thanks. He comes back to Jesus, falls at his feet, and gives thanks. The the Greek word there for thanks is eucharisto. It's uh, where we get the term eucharist, which means good gift or good grace. And and so as we prepare our own hearts, our own inner thoughts, our own inner life to come forward and partake of the bread and the cup, uh, to proclaim Jesus's death until he comes. Uh, As we come as a community to partake of the bread and the cup, I, I want to invite you to just consider the good gift 
the good grace that God has given each of us. And next slide. Where in my life is Jesus inviting me to practice gratitude? So this morning, I want to invite you to stay seated for, let's say, at least 60 seconds. Can we do 60 seconds? Uh, Before lining up to partake of the bread and the cup. And in that space, just consider this question. Where in my life am I being invited to practice gratitude? What is the good gift? What is the good grace that I have been given that Jesus is inviting me to give thanks and allow it to be implanted on your brain and in your heart? to carry it with you, to change you and transform you more into the people God has created us to be. God, we do give thanks this morning. We thank you, God, for a place we can come and worship and sing songs of praise and thanksgiving to you for your good gifts to us. We thank you for the gift of life and the gift of breath and the gift of bodies and hearts and souls and the gift of prayer and the gift of community, the gift of family. God, speak into our own inner lives right now and reveal an area for us in our lives that you are inviting us to give thanks. pray that you would implant that within us, that we would carry it with us, that it would become a part of our DNA to be a people of gratitude, a people who regularly practice gratitude. God, that we would take space in the morning when we wake up to be grateful, that we take space throughout our busy days to stop and say thank you. thank you, God, for the good gift you left us, this sign and symbol, this beautiful, mysterious gift of the bread and the cup, where somehow you speak to us and reveal more of yourself to us. God, fill us up with you this morning and compel us to live a life of gratitude, proclaiming your goodness and your good gifts. In the name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. Amen.